Are we going? Yes, we are. I was waiting for Mrs. Zoom and she didn't come on. Okay. Budget cuts. <laughs> uh, so let's get going. Last show for about a month or so. How are y'all feeling? Doing well. As I said, pre-pod, I'm about five foot 11 above the ground instead of five foot 11 below. <laughs> I'm doing good. Lauren and I are just, we're in this waiting period because we, we close on the home August 3rd. Um, and so Thanks for that, thank you. Uh, but the, the thing is like, we can't make any kind of big purchase in this like window. So I think we, we knew it was going to happen like a week, like two weeks ago. We're in the due diligence period, then we close August 3rd. Um, but we can't make any like big purchases because they do like credit checks like in intermittently and then they do one big final one. So they're like, don't don't buy anything, don't put anything on finance, don't don't do anything until you are closed on the home. Uh, because they could still to the very last day, they could still say no, <laughs> you know. So we're just in a holding pattern waiting for us to give the down payment and then after that we'll start doing uh doing furniture stuff and painting and it has unfortunately it has popcorn ceiling so we're gonna have to just mm. scrape that off so because that's atrocious you are in what some people would call a yatus a yatus thank you for getting my reference colby <laughs> you're very very welcome uh so let's just jump into the sports stuff the kind of last sports stuff for the summer except for the olympics which are hard to watch um because of nbc but we won't get into that here uh nba finals over we have a champion milwaukee bucks bucks and six bucks and six i can't kareem called it they all called it that was a very fun finals probably the most fun finals in recent memory at least for me what do y'all think definitely the most compelling since the 2016 finals Mm -hmm. and definitely one i would just say the overall most entertaining definitely in in the last while um just gotta have to get the punches in it's it's definitely uh one of the i would say one of the most important finals for like a single player other than since 2011 with dirk when it comes to a single player, what is what it perceived to be like his own team winning the championship? Always the Europeans. Yeah. No, I, I agree. The only thing about 2016 is after looking back, that game seven is an all time game, like one of probably the most important games in NBA history. But that series is kind of like blowout after blowout. It wasn't that interesting. Like, yeah. It was interesting because of the narrative, not because of the games. The games in this series were very, very good. I mean, game six was very entertaining, I feel like, on either side. Wait, game game five was the game five and six were both very entertaining, I feel like, regardless, because game five was the game where LeBron and Kyrie both had 41 points. Yeah. Game six was Curry's meltdown, where he threw the mouth guard. At yeah, a that, fan. Was, that was a good one. <laughs> That's an all time great moment. Um, it gets lost so much, but I remember watching that like, like yeah. I wide open, like, oh my god, this is happening. Wasn't that the same day as the Battle of the Bastards too? So I believe so, or something like that. There was something that was all on the same day. Yeah, because it it was 2016, so it was season six. Yeah, I think it was the same day as the Battle of the Bastards. 
Game of know. Thrones has a habit of putting in. No, no, I thought in, I thought Infinity War and Battle of Bastards were same day. No, because Infinity War was 2019, so that would have been the Night King in, uh, invading. Uh, okay, Winterfell. 2016 was season six, and Battle of the Bastards was the big battle in season six. Is how I'm rationalizing that out. Aaron, wait, welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast. Thank you. I remember <laughs> during the 2016 NBA Finals, Game Five was while I was at orientation, so I packed an extra shirt in case. Uh, so game Five was like the night between the two days of orient, or the night of the first day of orientation, I guess. Um, and so I packed an extra shirt in case the Cavs lost, so that I could not have to wear a Cleveland shirt the day after they potentially <laughs> lost the finals. Got to be prepared for yes. all circumstances. Yes. Giannis's free throw performance watching David right now about to sneeze is hilarious. It is so funny. I wish <laughs> I wish you it, could put this on video. It's it was so it was so close, and then you said something, and now it's <laughs> uh Giannis's free throw performance was incredible. I've I don't know if I've ever seen anybody will their way into getting free throws to go into the basket just by fear force of wanting it so bad. I, I don't know if this is true. I, I would 100% reserve the right to say that this is 100% fake. But <laughs> I think somebody tweeted, it was probably a joke, but if it's true, it's absolutely hilarious that Giannis would shoot free throws. But every time he missed, like, a coach or assistant coach or, like, somewhat like one of his friends would have to run instead of him. And so, like, the like the focus and determination so that he doesn't have to make his friends run was what motivated him to hit the free throws. And it's the same as, like, the two hostage interrogation where you you, uh, you do the other person instead of the person you want the information out of. Yes. Is that from Last of Us? It's in a lot of things. I was okay. thinking of lost just then, but I mean, it's in a lot of stuff. I feel like it's a thing even in basketball. Like if in a basketball practice, I've heard of a thing where a guy misses a, a, an assignment or whatnot, and everyone on the team yeah. has to do sprints while he watches the yeah, person who makes some mistakes. Yeah. So when I I took uh, in high school, we had to take a gym class, obviously. And one of the classes that I took was a basketball class. And one day we did this drill for like half of class where we rotated through the class and shot free throws. And if someone made a free throw, you could walk or at points you'd have to jog until the next person shot. And, but if someone missed, then you had to sprint until they made a free throw. Oof. And it was awful. I had, it is a, a great feeling when you save your team from having to run. That is a, that is a top tier feeling in sports. Yeah. But man, that was an all-time finals performance from Giannis. Like for, over the course of these six games, all time. A fifty-piece McNugget to, 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 uh, to, to clinch the finals. Piece chicken mini, actually. a fifty burger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could that, say McNugget that's pretty legendary. <laughs> but that's ridiculous. I mean, like for a closeout game, I don't remember all the stats, but like in a closeout game, like. And I feel like this was the case with a lot of Giannis's games. Like you would be like, wow, Giannis was like kind of quiet that game. And then it was like 32, 16 and eight. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I did not realize that. 
but that one he was very much like the guy because i think it was like he was like 10 of 14 and the rest of his team was like three of 16 and so like he was the one keeping the team afloat and it wasn't like they were blowing it like it wasn't like he dropped 50 and they were leading the whole time and it was a blowout like no they if they did not have the 50 from Giannis, they probably would be going to a game seven like just straight up because that third quarter he did he had was ridiculous he scored like 20 points in the third quarter i mean credit i think also has to go to chris middleton someone who was kind of criticized in years past for just having games just absolutely did not show up Mm -hmm. but this is definitely one of his best series overall and for the both of them what they've both been on the team for like eight years now or something and then they get to win the championship together that was a really cool moment i never like it in Jenkins and Jer- Jenkins and Jones terms, Chris Middleton is the LeBron James of Paul George's. What? <laughs> you heard you- me. I I I I I don't understand. Chris Middleton is the LeBron James of Paul George's. Sure. I so let's let's do the legacy stuff. Let's let's talk the the talking head legacy stuff. Does this? finals change anything for you for chris paul or even i think the more interesting question if chris paul would have won this ring does that change how you view chris paul so no i don't think so this is like the lebron thing like do you penalize a guy for making the finals but not winning it like we don't talk about jordan's six first round exits or something along those lines but you know everyone knocks lebron for losing this what is it six five is it six finals yes yeah so like do you knock chris paul would you have knocked chris paul more for never making a finals and never having a chance at a ring or do you knock him more for getting there and not winning it like it's that that conundrum personally in my opinion i think it would have been like if he would have never made a finals, nobody would have said anything. You'd be like, ah, yeah, he just never, never got the chance. But like now people are going to say, oh, you had the chance now. <laughs> you didn't get to, you didn't get it done. But I don't agree with that logic. Yeah. Like he was there. He made a finals. He's 36. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I'm not going to knock him for getting there because there can only be one winner, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure it really would have changed it because also, again, this is it's the waning years of his career, too. So he was like at best, I think, the third option behind Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. I think fourth option behind Cameron Johnson. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could even argue that. But uh, (laughs) but still, he he was not like the leader like he was maybe for Lob City or for the the Hornets. Yes. um, Leading them in those campaigns. So it's it's a very different situation. I mean, I think the bigger knock, perhaps, because that's at least what got brought up. This is now the fourth series that he's lost a 2-0 lead. That's what I was going to bring up. That's the only thing I was going to say. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That stuff is so team dependent. And I say that. And but you know how rare it is to lose a 2-0 lead? The, the last time I'm pretty sure a 2-0 lead was lost was in 2006 when Dallas did it. So I'm glad that... Uh, the Bucks uh, took it off. Are back. Well, in, in twenty in twenty sixteen, the Warriors were up to nothing. I thought, it, yeah, I guess. Well, it then went two one. I guess, yeah, yeah. The what separates the great from the all time great 
is that the all-time greats find a, a way to eventually find a way to get past that. I think, I mean, for me, Chris Paul is like a top five point guard all time, but I don't think a ring would put him above anybody that I already have above him, you know? Like, he's not getting any, he's not going to be above Magic, he's not going to be above stuff. Not gonna be over um, Isaiah One Eye Thomas. Yeah, I mean, there, there, you can. I think there are several Hall of Fame, like in the goat conversation, point guards that don't have a ring. You, you think of Stockton, you think of Allen Iverson, Chris Paul. None of them have a ring, and all of them have been to the finals. Yep. I'm not gonna argue here whether or not Allen Iverson is a point guard, but yes, that is a good point. So let's move over to Giannis, and we'll do this one first. Is Giannis's resume right now, which is two MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, Finals MVP, also Most Improved Player, I think. Uh, is that better than KD's resume? <laughs> well, for, before we get to that conversation, I think that it's worth saying that, like, at 26, he has a Hall of Fame resume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, that's for sure a Hall of Fame resume already. Yeah. Already. He could retire today, and he would be first ballot Hall of Fame. Like, that's nuts. I don't know about that. What? I don't know about first ballot. Who, I don't know about first ballot MVP, Hall of Famer. Two MVPs, most improved player, files MVP, a championship. There are people that have done less that have gotten. Like, you're going to tell I, me Charles Barkley is going to get a first round Hall of Fame and, and Giannis wouldn't if he retired right now. I hear you. I feel like if he if he is like a 10-year player and he has that resume, then yes. But with him being – actually, how long has he played? Seven, six, seven, eight years? Eight. He was drafted year, eight, eight years, eight third, years, thirteen. Maybe, then maybe I take it back. In my head, he's still in like his fourth year of the NBA. Right. So, so I, I, I semi, semi retract that. But your point, David. Well, I was gonna say so, like just him being that level of player at twenty six, and to do it in the. Not that this has any bearing on the next conversation, but there is something to be said about getting drafted somewhere, small market, a place like Milwaukee, um, where it's hard to attract superstar talent from a free agency perspective. Um, so you kind of have to rely on that homegrown, you know, talent thing uh, where you not homegrown, but like drafting someone in development, and et cetera, et cetera. Because um, we know for sure it was not Coach Budenholzer because <laughs> I do not like Coach Bud. Um, but either way, um, you know, there's something to be said about him winning in the place that he was drafted and, um, in that such, in such a small market, but for the KD thing, um, I think that it's tough with KD because he has such a, like he has the scoring titles, he's got two championships. He has one MVP. Um, he has two finals MVPs. KD, yes. Uh, KD has two finals MVPs. Um, it's just, you know, there's and, – and listen, like championships, like no one can take – it's what Giannis said. Nobody can take the championships away from you. At the end of the day, he still has a ring. He, I'm still broke. He's a multimillionaire, whatever. Like, you know, I understand that discourse. Let's get that out of the way before he hears this podcast. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, I'm there it, joining – a team that beat you that you were up against joining an already MVP player joining the first and second best shooters, arguably in hit in NBA history 
already joining joining an, a seventy three and nine regular season team. Mm-hmm. I just don't. This it means absolutely nothing, and Katie does not care. But I respect the Giannis one more than the Katie two, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. In your own personal record, in my own personal record, that's where I am right now. Aaron, I agree. I mean, I think, I think that I've already said my piece many times about Katie's one championship, to where he joined a team that was a legendary choke away from being the greatest NBA team of all time. And so, yes, obviously winning any NBA championship is incredible, especially against the greatest player of all time. But the impact is diminished when you have the greatest supporting cast of all time around you better than the second greatest player of all time ever had for his six championships. I think, yeah, I think it is very hard to win an NBA championship. And so I think you have to still get, even with a team like that, they, they still lost to Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors um, with that full. I mean, I know Clay was out and then Katie ends up getting hurt, um, but it is still very hard to win a championship. But I, I would agree with the sentiment that I definitely like respect and appreciate Giannis's path to his championship more. I agree with that sentiment, Mav, 100%. But the next question, is Giannis the best player in the NBA? I think it's very equivalent to like the Shaquille versus Kobe thing, where I think Kobe is a better player than Shaq, but Shaq is, was un, like unquestionably the most dominant. And I would give Giannis the moniker of the most dominant player in the NBA. But I'm I'm not ready to still say best. He still needs to develop a three point shot. He needs to consistently make free throws. But does he need to develop a three point shot? I mean, there are people that are considered goats that did develop their three point shots that are in conversation. I will go ahead and give it LeBron included that developed their three point shot and that put them more in the goat conversation based on their play. But. If Kareem is in the GOAT conversation, then I I don't... Well, I, I'm not sure he really is anymore, especially... I know he there are there's a small sect that does, but I I, I mean, more and more, I hear it's, it's really just down to Kobe, Michael Jordan, and LeBron. I would say in the 90s it was, and because then the three-point line was still a rather new concept, and for a good portion of Kareem's career, there wasn't a three-point line. So he really didn't have... He really didn't need to do that. And the basketball, the way it was played back then was so much different. But I don't hear Kareem really much anymore in that conversation. I think it's always tricky as long as LeBron is in the NBA because we tried to do it with Steph and then 2016 happened. And then we tried to crown Kawhi, and then his entire lower half of his body fell off. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it it is with with LeBron nowadays, like in the regular season, no, he is not the best player in the NBA anymore. He just does not he he does not sustain that hundred percent greatness level of play over regular season anymore. I don't know if it's that he can't, but I do know that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. With 
last year he was hurt, so we don't know. It's just kind of a question mark for me, which is kind of iffy because the thing that made one of the things that made LeBron so great is that he never got hurt. Now that he's 36 years old and only getting older, that's up in the air. But I need to see what LeBron, what a healthy LeBron does in the playoffs. If he can still hit the button, flip the switch, and be the LeBron that he needs to be. If he can do that, I might back off a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think it's like what we say about a lot of other things, like about Tom Brady and about Alabama, is that we say that they're not the best anymore, but they always turn it on when it matters. Bama's still losing same- three games this year. <laughs> I feel the same way. Are they losing to Texas and Oklahoma? We're getting there. Don't jump. Okay, wait. Before we move on from the NBA, I would also like to say in defense of Anthony Davis and his uh, performance when he was on New Orleans, he never had a member on his supporting cast like Drew Holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) Yes, they did. Let let me tell you, when you started that sentence, I really thought that was going... I didn't know it was going to be that joke. I thought it was going to be a Space Jam joke uh, (laughs) when you started that. I mean, uh, we, we really have, though, uh, almost criminally um, avoided or not even mentioned, failed to mention, I guess is the best way to put it, the the true unsung hero of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think we just should give a good old congratulations to uh, Tar Heel Justin Jackson mm-hmm. on becoming an NBA champion. College ring and the NBA ring. Fourth One guy up. in Carolina history to do that. So. All right, before we get off of the NBA draft stuff, I do not have any draft things to talk about. I have really not been keeping up with this year's draft coverage much at all, so I'll let y'all handle it if y'all have anything. Uh, Yes, I would say it's one of the more quieter drafts. It's one of those things where if you're not in the top three picks, getting like Jalen Green or um, like everything like in that top three range, it's really just a toss-up with what kind of player – you are going to get, mm-hmm. but I think the bigger thing is what is deals that possibly can be made, um, either involving picks or once uh, free agency really comes open to market. Yeah, I lied. I do have an NBA take. Uh, it's kind of a Carolina take with Cam Johnson being as good as he's been in the NBA. Why is Corey Kispert starting to slip down draft boards? I feel like Cam Johnson is kind of, kind of the, I don't want to say the archetype, but like the model for the four-year player that you would want coming out of college. Knocks down open threes, defends well enough and is athletic enough to stay with people and has the experience in big moments to not be afraid of lights. I feel like if you're going to be taking a four-year player, that's the kind of player that you want. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And I think I've watched a lot of like draft pundits on Twitter say that like the draft order, there's really no way to forecast how it's actually going to be this year where people you think could be a lottery pick could go to the end of the first round. There are people in the first round that actually could be second rounders. Um, it really seems up in the air, but I, I would agree with that. I, I really liked Corey Kispert's play in the tournament, and I think that's really something that, that's kind of modern NBA. 
and such. I was forgetting to, I, I mean, I guess right now it's still Cade Cunningham that's going to go number one. But yeah. um, Houston, apparently, uh, Woach and Zach Lowe did their draft special day, and they said that there's a chance that uh, Houston might be trying to make a play for number one. I don't know if that's to get Cade or if it's to get Jalen Green, which it sounds like they really like. And I think they have the third pick, and they're afraid he won't make it to three. No, we have the third pick. They have number uh, – Houston might have number four. Or four. Um, the big thing is they don't think that he's going to be there by the time of their pick. Yeah, well, and that's a that's – unless the Cavs are idiots, unless the Cavs are really stupid, that is true. Um, because all signs are pointing to us taking whoever out of Jalen Green and – Evan Mobley is available at number three. Or unless something wild happens, Cade Cunningham, but there's no way that he doesn't go number one or number two. Still hoping that Dayron gets picked uh, in a decent spot. Again, there seems to be growing things that like Dayron has limited himself for interviews. So there's idea that maybe he's gotten a guarantee at some point in the first round. But and then that's almost like the scarcity mindset has almost created more buzz around him, and that teams have wanted to interview him, and he's like declined the interviews or mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think that's an interesting thing. I'd be I'd like to see it like a Cam Johnson situation where he has been like that tail end of the first round, early second round, and then someone just picks him in the lottery. I, I'd be excited to see that. I mean, it could be. I mean, he had. I don't with all of the things that Daron can do, like he reminds me of a stronger, not that DeAndre Ayton's not strong, but he reminds me of a stronger DeAndre Ayton, like in my opinion. Like he has like great hands, great touch around the rim, strength, footwork, um, has the ability to hit jump shots from like 15 feet out if he just gets consistent with it. Like I, just cause he's not a stretch five. I mean, like he can play bully ball. And I think with Giannis and how he won a championship with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that bully ball, like strong big boy basketball, can like make a comeback, in my opinion. Y'all worried about Team USA? Yes. Yes, they suck. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're bums. It's because <laughs> they don't have the greatest player in basketball on their team. Uh do you know what I think is the main difference for this team? Is what? it even rules? I don't know if Pop is a great coach at the international level. That's a spicy take. Yeah. We yeah. have lost more games under Pop than we have for like the past 20 some years or like 15, 16, 17, I guess 17 years. I don't think that's it because I think that the players are good enough that they don't need like coaching to tell them what to do they could just play I, don't it's, know. I think that a large part of it is the players just don't well don't i mean it's a lack of cohesion i think as yeah. well i mean three of the players just got back from the finals and then i don't think i think there was like only two of these players that played in the fiba championships so whereas you take your france's your australia's things like that they're a much more cohesive unit they're it's the same people every single year just because it's not the same as the U.S. in terms of yeah. how, just how many talent they have in their pool to be able to draw for it. Um, so these the players know known each other, have played together, and they already have just like a, almost a built-in chemistry that they have that the U.S. doesn't have. 
again, it's been the narrative, I would say, for the last 20 plus years is that these NBA players can't just walk in and play pickup anymore and expect to win a gold medal. The The world has caught up in terms of talent level. Um, and so we lost the two exhibition games and then we lose the game today against France. And I think Evan Fournier put it kind of best is that individually they outmatch us, but they can be beaten as a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put up 28 in a 40 minute game. He absolutely went off. And uh, Rudy Gogert just <laughs> just yeah. bullied us all day long. I I'm not panicking yet. I need I want to see a couple games against teams that are not Nigeria or Australia or France because those are like good teams. Um, maybe not so much Nigeria, but Australia and France are both like solid teams. Mm-hmm. Slovenia is going to go for that goal this year. I think that something that you cannot discount as a difference between this team and the dream teams is that this team did not eat at the combination gas station Wendy's Starbucks <laughs> before a game. Yep. Now, Aaron briefly mentioned this too. There is There was the whole kind of conversation about the FIBA rules. That game against Prince was a particularly physical one where even I was like, there was some like hip to hip contact that I would, I'm just not in my mind. I was like, I heard the whistle go off, but then it didn't. I was like, wait, where's the whistle on that? And so it was definitely a much more physical game. You know, it, it's just so funny now. I mean, I remember this whole time where people were talking about how Europeans are soft and uh, their European leagues don't prepare them for the NBA world. It seems like it might just be the opposite. I remember a time Luka Doncic said that it's much easier to score in the NBA than the Euro leagues. And people really went up into arms about that. And it seems he might not have been too wrong about that. It's funny watching my the f- people that I follow that mainly watch the NBA and don't really watch college basketball until the tournament who are like, oh, wow, that was ugly basketball. I was like, you don't know ugly basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I watch I I have to watch like 60 college basketball games every year. This is I I was born in ugly basketball, molded <laughs> by it. <laughs> um I don't know. I'm interested. I'm interested to see where this goes. Um I We're definitely not out of it. We can still no, pull. No. Um I saw I they did a thing on I have Peacock, so I was able to watch the game and so I already had that kind of set up and everything. They did a little feature on it, and the, did y'all know that this the select team, which is essentially the B team um, for Team USA, or who is basically a scout team for the other players, they beat this team right now uh, 15 days before it started. And so I'm glad that didn't get out because I think that would have put people up in arms. But did you know that the Dream Team lost to the select team in 92 before winning? Well, it's like I said, I feel like the complacency thing can't is – important like the scout team is always going to play like they have something to prove because they're the scout team um because they do have something to prove (laughs) which is exactly what every other country is going to have that same kind of mentality yes it's like a lot of amazing teams like a lot of amazing college teams have to lose a game before they turn into that amazing team because they need to have that oh shit moment a game to be fair to, yes, but to be fair, this team USA has had three oh shit moments right already. Four, I guess, if you count losing to the scout team. 
so oh I was gonna say something. Oh, there it is. Should the Olympic should Olympic basketball, men's basketball move to U twenty four? It's only pe- it's only people under twenty four. Uh, oh wow, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's fun to watch. I mean, you got Luis Scola just making a career resurgence, it seems, because he's playing for Argentina. Also, I am shocked that he does not look like a lunch lady anymore. Right. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy seeing the old heads that go back to their respective countries and have really great I mean, international. Yeah, groups. what if we did like U24 or O35, but not between 24 <laughs> and 35? Now, we're talking about like rearranging that. So, was is this the first year of 3X3? Yes. At least as an Olympic event? That I believe made, so. I don't know. I mean, sure, three on three basketball sounds fun. I've watched it, it's, it's not great. Um, also, I don't know how we got the roster that, well, we didn't qualify is the other thing. U.S. didn't even qualify a team for the Olympics. The men like, didn't. How, how did you not get three guys? I, I thought there had to be some other, is there some qualification that like prohibits like NBA players from doing it or something? It's gotta be. Cause it was like, um, cause I haven't River, heard of anyone on the other teams either. Well, they have River Barry. Or Riversberry, who's Rick Barry's son. That's what I was going to ask. He played for Florida a couple of years Can- ago. I thought Canyonberry was the one that played for Florida. Maybe it was Canyon. I knew it was something that had to do with uh, water and erosion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he played for Florida a couple of years ago. I, there has to be some rule against, like, barring, like, D1 or, like, current D1 or NBA athletes from playing. There's got to be. Because I, we could just send a big three team over there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else with basketball? Because I really want to talk about this Texas and Oklahoma stuff. Have at it, my friend. <laughs> so, um, by the way, if you didn't see it, popcultureshub.com. I have a new blog up um, about how you don't actually want to know who the best college football team is. Uh, so check that out if you want to. But... Uh, as I was writing that, the news broke that Texas and Oklahoma is there. By the time this podcast goes up, it'll probably be announced um, that Texas and Oklahoma, like officially announced by the schools and by the conference, that Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC. Uh, this has been a process that has been ongoing for about how, half a year now. Uh, Maverick, what is this cartoon lollipop that you have in your hand? I was just trying to open it up. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that great. It is the size of your entire face. I I love that. What in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is that? (laughs) Screenshot. Um. Yeah, Texas, Oklahoma going to the SEC. Uh, It's been six months in the making. Texas A and M was left out of these discussions until this week during media days where they finally let Texas A&M know that Texas and Oklahoma are like 95% coming to the SEC. And that's when it finally leaked that it was happening. Initial thoughts. It felt like it came out of nowhere. I, I had heard nothing of this. They so kept it, it really least, under wraps. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I felt like I heard something about potentially like the Pac-12 expanding teams, and I think Texas put in a call maybe a while back 
about moving to the to that conference or whatnot. Yeah, it definitely seemed like out of nowhere. Um, I, I think they even said Texas wasn't going, it was completely under wraps and Texas was going to do somewhat of a surprise announcement Monday. Um, but that the one source caught it and put it out and they had to start putting out fires after that. But it was Texas A&M's 24-7 <laughs> person that, that initially leaked it. Yeah. So, I mean, now uh, there's a situation like they're talking both expansion or they're talking mergers. Um, and now people are doing like their fantasy picks basically or just a big old realignment just of every single conference, like who would go where, uh, who would come to the ACC if, if, there, if we were open to it. If there are, are there any ACC teams that would jump ship? Um, or does everybody and their mother want to go to the Southeastern Conference? Because it seems like that. Well, that's what I was going to say is in all likelihood, if it's a mass alignment, then the ACC probably ceases to exist because it's kind of an in-between between two regions where I think that the teams in the South of the ACC would be more likely to join the SEC and the teams in the North of the ACC would be more likely to join what the Americans should have been, or I guess the successor of the Big East. So. I think the ACC is going to be per, is going to be fine. I'm I'm really not worried about the SEC. I have heard rumblings about the Big Twelve being in trouble for the past couple of months, and a lot of the reasoning behind that is, and also the Pac-12 for what it's worth, the Pac-12 also being in trouble because the Big Ten has a network and is also being shown in like millions of households around the country. Same with the SEC and same with the ACC. The ACC network was huge because they have, they now have a one point, a contract worth $1.86 billion billion with a B coming into the school for whenever they signed it, which was what, two seasons ago. That was a 12 year Mm -hmm. contract. So the ACC is going to be fine at least for the next 10 ish years or so. With the SEC, I wonder if they're going to go over 16 teams. That seems a little bit unwieldy. The ACC is at 15 with one that's not a full member right now. But the Big 12 had never had a never had a television contract, a big television contract with their own network. But Texas did. Texas had the Longhorn Network, which is on like in some households across the country, but nobody watches it. There was a big miscalculation with how many people actually care about Texas sports. I've heard an argument that the Texas Network actually should have been the Ohio State Network because a lot more people around the country care about Ohio State than they do about Texas. And then also the Pac-12, they have the Pac-12 Network, but nobody really carries the Pac-12 network, so people don't watch it like that. So because of that, I think that SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC are going to be fine. The Pac-12 is also probably going to be fine just because they're so far away that no one's really going to poach those teams away from them. Uh, But the Big 12 was always tenuous. They're going to keep their Power 5 status from the NCAA for the force. I'll say indefinitely, and that's probably going to be in the Duke sense of indefinitely. Uh, I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last. But it has sparked conversations about what's going to happen to the ACC. 
the more I think and the more I read, the less I think Notre Dame Notre Dame's going to become a full member, and the more I think we're going to pull West Virginia in. Mm-hmm. Since the last bout of realignment, where I'm not sure if we asked West Virginia and they said no, or West Virginia asked and we said no, it's one of those two things. We said no because of academics, but, but that, na- now that now, we have Louisville, that well, kind of Louisville is an R1 institution a research one institution in the time since 2011 West Virginia is now also a research one institution. So I think the ACC would be more willing to let West Virginia in now than they were before. I think Notre Dame is very interested in independence. I don't think that they will ever join a conference in football as long as college football remains a thing. And with them watching uh, Fighting Irish TV, which is a real ass thing, Fighting Irish, it's like their own streaming service that only shows Notre Dame things uh, that they are selling nationwide. If they can get that popping, and it sounds like from like their first year or so of existing, it's going well, they really don't need the ACC money wise because they have. X millions of dollars coming in from that subscription service. Mm -hmm. I think that West Virginia coming is going to be a lot more likely than Notre Dame. And I know, I feel like a lot of people are going to be very annoyed by that. As long as Notre Dame has this tie in with the ACC. If Notre Dame wanted to go to the big 10, the big 10 would have to pay the ACC a lot of money because they are in a, Notre Dame's in a contract with us until like 2036, where if they join the conference, they must join the ACC. Anyway, that's my very long diatribe. I've been reading about this all morning. So do y'all have any reactions to that? It's, 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 it's a lot more. See, cause I wasn't like a college fan or I, I wasn't watching college sports. The last time there was a major realignment, which I believe is when like, Syracuse and Louisville and Pitt mm-hmm. the ACC. I was not all those Big East teams. West Virginia is one. Anyway, keep going, David. Right. So, like, I was not watching college sports when that happened. Um, so, like, when I I came into watching college sports, being like, yeah, so like Louisville's here and uh, and Pitt's in the ACC and yada yada yada. So, like, I had no frame of reference. It was only until like I would watch more basketball that I was like. Well, yeah, the big alignment that happened, and this is their like third year in the ACC or second year in the ACC, and talking about how Maryland is gone and like how Maryland should be in the like, w- w- like once I started watching more, then I was like, oh, okay, so like this this was different not that long ago. So now seeing now what's happening, I'm trying to I I still don't quite understand how it all works because I wasn't even paying attention for the I wasn't paying attention to college sports the last time this happened, so it's still it's still a little confusing to me. So my understanding is that the big 12 now is down two teams and they we have two big tens <laughs> yeah right exactly so like I, i'm i'm a little confused as to how, uh, all of the implications so i feel like you all are the more informed ones now the big 12 is down to eight the big 12 had 10 before that's why they were reluctant to go to a um go to a conference championship yeah. system for football so they're down to eight I mean, yeah. I, I I think the big thing too now is if the twelve team playoff gets approved, 
that messes it up, I guess, a little bit because it was the whole idea of the Power Five conference champions going. And now, I mean, if they dissolve completely, I mean, then you still you we'd have a Power Four. Um, the American. Don't forget about the American. The Power Six. Power Six. Blah blah blah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it opens up more spots. But also, I still don't understand the decision to go to the SEC because uh, um, I'm assuming they would be the SEC West, which means they're playing yep. Alabama twice a year. Uh, far. Would they? Or would they move Alabama and Auburn to the SEC East? So now Georgia and Florida have to play Bama and Auburn every year. So, and but is it a thing where with a 12-team playoff, are they doing that under the assumption that they now can take a loss and be okay with it? That's exact. I think that's exactly why the SEC was pushing so hard over these past six months, have been pushing so hard for a 12-team playoff so they can get three, four teams into the playoff, into this new format. Because I now you it, can lose to Alabama, and it's it's you can survive. You can maybe lose to Alabama and Texas A and M, and still get three teams into the playoff. It's all rigged. Everything's <laughs> rigged. Everything's rigged for the SEC. Um, so as far as like so, so then what? So then what happens to the Big Twelve now that there's this like, you know, not exodus, but like two of your top teams are are gone, like in Oklahoma and and Texas. I mean, in the next five years, there's not going to be a big – I don't think there's going to be a Big 12 anymore. It was always this this amalgamation of two conferences, the Big 8 and the Southwest Conference. Mm-hmm. Those are the two conferences that joined up to become the Big 12. And I, I, I just – I don't see a world in which the Big 12 continues to be a thing. Because no one's going to leave – their conference to join the big 12 right i mean no one's gonna not out of the major conference not right not out of the power five or but i guess this is the time aaron you make jokes but this is the time for the american to come out and poach these big 12 teams yeah i agree i mean yeah i think bring back the socon bring the, bring the socon up to fbs it was the original super conference it really was it, it really really was no, so West Virginia is the one that I've seen had like legitimate ACC implications. Uh, UCF's name has been thrown around. Miami and Florida State won't like that. App? I don't think App's big enough. Mm. I don't think their fan base is big enough. I've seen Cincy, Cincinnati thrown around. South Carolina? Or do they want that SEC money? I don't think anyone's Good. leaving the SEC. Yeah, unless they get kicked out, right? Yeah. Like, does unless Clemson just, like, go to the SEC? Who's that? Does Clemson go to the SEC? I don't think so. I think they like winning too much. <laughs> I I think winning is keeping them from from moving. But I do think this makes things a little awkward for schools like Vanderbilt and Wake Forest. We uh, take Vandy if we're talking academics. We could take Vandy, but those are those two schools that, that I think they're the two smallest schools in the Power Five who do not have much of an athletics budget. It's they. I think they're a little disappointed at what's happening. Wake Forest probably less so because Dave Clawson is like I think we said this the 
last time we recorded, one of the two or three best coaches in the ACC. So Wake Forest is probably going to remain at least semi-relevant for the foreseeable future as long as Clawson is there. Mm -hmm. But there's not going to be any real winning in the Atlantic for, for I don't know how many years besides Clemson. And I think it's still kind of on the, on the Atlantic side, you still wait and see with Carolina post Mac Brown and seeing what Miami turns into in the next couple of years. So can, this might be a just me thing, but so big East basketball is still a thing. Big East, there's a basketball Big East, but there is no yes. Big East football conference. Correct. There's Correct. a Big East conference and everything but football. Okay. So is there is there a specific reason behind that, or is it did it like all the other? Did it, I know that like Villanova doesn't have football. I know. Or their Division Two. Their FCS. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um. So like. I think that's the main thing is a lot of those programs have much smaller foot ball programs compared to their basketball okay yeah UConn I mean we were going to play them I think right or is that this year I, no that was last year that last we canceled year, on them we canceled um but they're definitely I don't think are they I'm pretty sure they're FCS no UConn's FBS they're in the American aren't they and they're terrible yeah yeah they're it's really where, really bad it's where uh isn't that where Dan Olofsky came from yes So, I don't know. This is wild. I was not expecting this news, and I've been uh, reveling in it, just reading everything, because, I mean, I did a a whole podcast about realignment. I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, So, David, the Big East, uh, like how the Big 12 is a combination of two different conferences, that's why the Big East collapsed the first time, is because it was a combination of two conferences. You had the Catholic Seven, and you had the football conference. And so it was two different sets of interests, and it's hard to balance the interests of schools that don't have a football team or don't have a Division One football team Yeah, to schools that their main sport is football. Got Even it. if they're a basketball school, that their main sport is obviously football because of money. Got it. Requiem for the Big East. Great, great 30 for 30. All right. Uh, the Cleveland baseball team has a new name. Cleveland yeah, Guardians. Guardians. Two thumbs up. Two Guardians up. Yes, it's fine. Cool. It's a name. It's a name. Yeah. This. I. I'm totally fine. I. My favorite tweet about all of this is that there are two teams named after socks. I. I'm totally yes. fine with. Uh, with the Guardians. It sounds like it. It seems like it has a cultural connection to Cleveland. Yes. Um, the Hornets have that cultural connection too. I think those are the coolest team names. So yeah, go for it. And also the Art Deco style and the G logo, Chef's Kiss. I'm glad you like it. I'm really glad that you you approve of this team. This yes, team name. I approve. It was one of the two team names that I wanted. What's I was anti. No, no, spiders are awful. Only people not from Cleveland who don't understand Cleveland and Cleveland sports wanted spiders. Spiders would have sucked. All right, even. What was the other one? Uh, the other one that I wanted was municipals, but I knew that was never happening. I saw 
after the team name was released, I saw some people wanted Commodores, which would have been fun. But it was not my number one choice. Y'all could play Lionel Richie at every game. It would have been awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm cool with the Guardians. Now, these Browns throwbacks. Yes. I'm looking at them for the first time. A plus. They look like the throwback Bengals jerseys. Well, the Bengals copied our throwback. The Bengals copied those jerseys from us, but the jerseys are from 75 years ago, which I believe is before the Bengals existed. I I like TV numbers on the helmets. Thing was good. Let's see. The Cincinnati Bengals. uh, Yeah, 1968 which is not 75 years ago. So those jerseys existed before the <laughs> Bengals existed. Um, David, I have beaten all three Mass Effects, and I don't think I'm going to buy Andromeda, but I've played all three Mass Effects. That's extremely impressive. Yeah, I did like a month and a half. I've never played games that quickly before. <laughs> yeah. you can. So you can, in the when it happened, the Mass Effect 3's ending pre like it's adjusted now because it was way worse before uh but basically three games ended up as a press press x or, or b <laughs> like you know like that's how it all ended and everyone was like what <laughs> um but yeah i i love those games they're so good and i love I, I i really really like them um i still didn't love the ending um no nobody does <laughs> But I, I thought it was fine. I think next up for me is going to be Dragon Age. Um, I pl- I am playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart right now, which is super fun so far. Nice. But I am replaying slash finally finishing Ghosts of Tsushima. Yeah. Because uh, I never finished it. I got to the second island or the second part of the island and then I stopped and then I something happened and I got too busy and I never came back to it. Uh, but now I am farther than I was before, so I'm committed to finishing. Nice, nice. Me and Aaron have been talking all week. I, I've been off on vacation. I used that vacation to get completely caught up on Survivor. Now I'm yeah, ready to go in September when season 41 starts. Now you got to watch the seasons that you haven't watched yet. Yeah, and just finish those up. Now, I didn't get – I think Aaron gave his. Well, who are y'all's, like, favorites? Oh, I didn't say my favorites. I said the best never to win. Yeah, who are y'all? Who's like your favorites? I guess. Ooh, I'd have to think about that. I would say, regardless of like purely like fan favorite, like regardless of how they do and yeah, such just how much you enjoyed like watching them. I think. I mean, two of mine come from the same season. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's Tasha and Cass. Yeah. I, I really like both of them. Like to give it like thing, I I did separate the guys and girls because I was like it was so difficult to like come up with an actual list without giving each giving a section for each of them. Um, or not, I mean Tony, Terry, uh, Jeremy, Ben, and Boston Rob are probably my top five. Honorable mentions are for Rupert, uh, Devons, and JT. And for the ladies, Parvati, Amanda, Sari, Cass is in my top five. And then Denise, with honorable mention to Wentworth and Aubrey. Now, 
Boston Rob is in my top favorite Amazing Race contestants. <laughs> His Amazing Race seasons are so fun. Um, and watching him be Boston Rob on the Amazing Race and doing like the same sorts of things he did on Survivor is super, super fun. I want to make sure I'm counting right, but you don't compete like four times and not be considered an iconic person. It was It's four times, correct? Four, uh, eight, 20. Did, was he in 16? No, it's, it's five times. It's yeah, 16, 20, uh, four, and four, four, eight, no, four, eight, 20, 22, and 40. And 40. Yeah. He was not in 16. And a half, five and a half, if you count 39. 16 was only players from post All Stars other than Fair Play. Yeah. Aaron, where are you playing right now? NHL. I've gotten addicted. Very good. I'm doing uh, my. Is that because of Adam? No, it's not because of Adam. It's independent of Adam. Um, I did it when the Canes were in the playoffs before they started a fire sale of their entire team. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm addicted. I play a sports games usually on an easier difficulty because I don't like playing them to get stressed out. Exactly. And same. Through, through 44 games, I I'm a rookie. Through 44 games, I have 60 goals and 61 assists. I also have 154 penalty minutes <laughs> because like every five games or so I fight someone uh, at the beginning of the podcast. I just hit someone like I ran into someone like checked them on the other side of the ice from where the puck was for no reason at full speed. And I got a game misconduct, which was fun. Very, very nice. Thank you. All righty, y'all. We are going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, the Olympics are happening right now. I guess if something really interesting happens, we can always jump on here, do an emergency pod, but uh, we're going to recharge a little bit. Just take a little short break, come back before football season, give y'all that juicy, juicy preview stuff where I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win the NFC East again for some reason. Um and then be utterly disappointed at my predictions later. By the way, side note, I know this is completely unrelated, but uh, they literally, like, to the minute, just released a new mock draft on ESPN, and they have Dayron at 25 to the Clippers. Interesting. So, we'll see. And it said they had lots of intel from around the league, so we'll see. (laughs) But, yes, break time. It's break time. So, ready, break. (laughs) 